0: and that he has no partners And I bear witness That Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Is his slave servant and his messenger I would like to begin Our talk this evening uh, By With some brief introductory remarks as we proceed in this very brief summarized explanation of al aqida Al-Tahawiyyah by Al-Imam Abu Ja'afa al tahawi we have covered uh, the first section or most of the first section or first uh, chapters of his book in which he talked about Al-Tawheed and in detail he talked about those things related to the names of Allah and his characteristics. And I think in the last lecture uh, we mentioned the point of Imam tahawi where he said that Allah is the, is the creator without any need and he is the provider without any effort or difficulty. He is the one who causes death without any fear and the one who resurrects without any effort. Then he talked about the sifat of Allah, on the characteristics of Allah and he said that before Allah created anything from the beginning he had those characteristics or qualities which did not increase in any way after he created the creation those characteristics were with him from eternity and they will continue to be with him Uh, then he also discussed the characteristics of rububiyah of Allah that he is the Rabb of everything meaning the creator the owner the one who gives life and death the provider uh, and the one who has control over everything in this universe uh, and that Allah has power over everything and concerning this point we began to discuss the fact of Allah having power over everything in this point we began to discuss the subject of Al-Qadr wa Al-Qadha and Al-Imam Al-Tahawi uh, has discussed this topic of Al-Qadr wa al in a number of places, in this very small essay, al aqida tahawiyyah so as he mentioned those points related to al Qadar al- Qar, then uh, we will discuss it يعني, piece by piece, each point as it comes in the essay. But so as to give some an uh, organized and complete uh, framework from which we can look at the topic of Al-Qadr wal al and we mean by Al-Qadr wal al the divine pre-measurement or the pre-determining of all affairs of the universe and that includes a number of points which I think we mentioned briefly in the last lecture uh, these two words Al-Qadr and al Qadr in the Arabic language Have similar meanings when they are used separately each of them individually may have the meaning of both but when they are used together each of them has a separate meaning a distinct meaning the same as al-Islam wal-Iman if you say al-Islam you mean also faith you don't just mean the, the pillars of Islam but you mean belief in Islam and everything and if you say Iman then you also include in that Islam and yani if someone who has iman, it means that they are Muslim, if they have true iman. But when they come together, if you say al-Islam wal-iman, then each of them has a separate meaning. Islam means something, and iman means something else. Basically, Islam refers to the actions that a Muslim does in his life, and iman refers to his aqidah or his beliefs or faith. So also with al-qadr wal-qada their meanings are intertwined related to one another but when they come together they have a separate meaning and here the correct meaning of these two words if they are used in the same sentence Al-Qadr means the fixed measuring or determining of an affair and Al-Qadr means the execution of that which Allah had predetermined Al-Qadr means that Allah determines how it's going to be, what's going to happen in anything in the creation. Before He brought it into existence, He determined it, He fixed it, He measured it. And Al-Qadr refers to when that thing is actually executed. Maybe after thousands of years that thing came into existence, you and I, whatever. But it was predetermined long time ago that we would come into existence, then Allah brought us into existence. And in our life, the things that happen, those things happen over the years. Though they were already pre-measured or predetermined 50,000 years before the creation of the heavens and the earth. So when those things actually happen, when they occur, this is al-qadr. And al-qadr means the predetermining of those things. <coughs> so, since we are going to discuss a number of points this evening they are related to this topic of Al-Qadr and Al-Qadar then I thought that we should at least give a summarized uh, discussion concerning this topic before we take the points of Imam Al-Tahawi one by one Al-Sheikh Muhammad Ibn Sali Al-Uthaymeen in his book or in his explanation of the book Lum'at Al-Irtikaat which is a very important book of Aqeedah as Imam Tahawi's book and as Usulu Sunnah of Imam Ahmed, all of these books basically are summarized explanations of the Islamic Aqeedah. In this book, Lum'at al itiqad by Imam ibn Qadama, who is a very famous scholar of Hanbali fiqh, of the Hanbali Madhab, uh, in his book he discussed this topic of Al Qadr al and Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih al Uthaymeen. In his explanation of that book, discussed Al-Qadr in brief. First he says, that of the characteristics of Allah, the Most High, is that He is Al-Fa'al Al-Fa'al Lima yuriḍ. He is the one who does whatever He wills. As Allah says in the Quran, in Surah to Hud, verse 107, "Inna رَبَّكَ that verily your Lord is the one who does whatever He wills. The Shaykh, Al Uthaymeen, he says, So nothing, if Allah is the one who does whatever He wills, then nothing is outside of His will and His authority. Nothing happens except the takdirihi, except with His Takdeer, His fixing. Or predetermining or measuring that thing. Tadbir تدبير means that he is the one who supervises or arranges for whatever happens in the universe. In his hands is the kingdom of the heavens and the earth. He guides whomever he wills by his rahmah, his mercy, and he leads astray whomever he wills by his hikmah, his wisdom even if we don't understand it. And he is not questioned about whatever he does due to the fact that his wisdom and his authority is complete and perfect. His wisdom and his authority is complete and perfect. So who can question him? No one can question him when he has total authority. And no one can question him even from the other perspective. Forget about does he have authority, but is what he did correct or right or wrong? When he has perfect wisdom, who can question what he has done? It has to be for wisdom, beyond our ability to uh, reject or to refuse or to oppose. While the human beings who would want to question him, they are the ones who are question about what they do. They don't have authority nor do they have the wisdom as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has. He says that they are the maraboub, or the mahkum, the one who is under the authority of the Rabb and under the authority of the Hakim, the ruler or the one who has authority so therefore uh, we accept this fact that Allah is the one who does whatever he wills and it is based on his authority and his wisdom here the Shaykh says that Al-Iman or faith true complete conviction in Al-Qadr is wajib to believe in Al-Qadr is wajib, we have no choice in the matter. And it is one of the six pillars of Iman, one of the arkan Al-Iman, Al-Sitka, Al-Qadr. Just like we have to believe in Allah and the angels and the books and the prophets, also we have to believe in this. This is a part of the main uh, articles of faith, of creed, of aqidah. And this is based on the saying of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam: Al-Iman an tu'mima billahi wa malaikatihi wa qutubihi wa rusulihi wal-yawm al-akhir wal-qadri khayrihi wa sharrihi That Iman is in fact to believe That you believe in Allah and His angels and His books and His prophets And the last day and al-qadr The divine decree or pre-measurement Khayrihi wa sharrihi That which is from that decree will Allah determine if it is khair or sharr If it is good or bad or evil. Whatever, as we see it in our minds. <coughs> and this is the problem for many of the people. How can Allah decree evil? Why would Allah decree evil? But the Prophet of Allah, the most truthful and the most knowledgeable of humanity and the best of the prophets and messengers, he said, وَالْخَضَرُ well, Khairihi wa sharrihi. Khairihi wa sharrihi. We must take both of them. And some of the scholars say, Hulwihi wa halawatihi wa mararatihi. Here, the Shaykh says, the خَيْر and the Shar, the good and the evil, it is in respect or in relation to Al-Aqibah the end of the affair we say something is Khair or Shar, good or evil when we see the end of it, the end result not the beginning as it first happened, but what is the end result then we can can say something is Khair or Shar in reality when we see the end result because perhaps something happened and it looks bad but actually it led to something good in the end, so you have to see the end result to say, is this Khair or is it Sharf that's very important as for the Halawa and the Marara, yeah, I mean the sweetness or the bitterness of the affairs of life, of the Qadr the sweetness and the bitterness of it, this is in relation to or in respect of the time when that thing occurs or happens at the time when it happens, we say that it is sweet or bitter. It is something pleasing to us or displeasing, at the time when it happens. But as for whether or not it's khair or shar, we do not know until the end of it, until we see the end. <coughs> then he says, the khair, the good of al-qadr, is that which is nafi'an which is that which is beneficial. This is the khair. No matter whether it's فِيَعَنِي <laughs> halwa. If it's sweet to us or bitter. But if in the end of it, it is beneficial, that's خَيْر. Like the medicine that you take, at the time you take it, it's bitter. Tastes terrible. But in the end, it, it helps you, it heals you. So really we say that that medicine, though it tastes bad at the time when you're taking it, but in the end result, it's beneficial, so that's خَيْر. <clears throat> The Khair of the Qadr, the good of it, is that which is beneficial and the Sharr of the Qadr is that which is daran or that which is harmful or hurtful that which is harmful or hurtful yani that which is actually cause harm in the end to the person this is the shar. <coughs> then he says Al Khair wa Sharr It is in relation to the Maqdoor. It is in relation to the Maqdoor. The thing that has been determined. The thing that Allah determined. That matter, that happening, that incident, it is what can be described as Khair or shar. As opposed to Allah's action of determining it. We don't say about Allah's action, when he determines something that his action is khayr or sharr. Allah's action is only khayr. But the thing that he determined, that thing itself we might say that it is khayr or sharr when we see the end result of it. Allah is determining it, it is not khayr or sharr. Allah is determining of something, fixing, measuring of anything, it is only khayr. It is only khayr. Because Allah doesn't do anything except khayr. I hope this is somewhat clear. It is very important distinction here. Uh, of those things that have been determined, which we say are khair, are the ta'at, the actions of obedience, siha, good health, ghina, wealth, or being without need. And of those things that have been determined, the things themselves that have been determined, that we consider as sharr, is al maasi sinning or disobedience, al-mard, sickness, al-sakr, poverty, or being in need. <coughs> this is in reference to the thing that has been determined. We may say that that thing, <coughs> we may look at it as being as khair or sharr, <coughs> uh, in reference to the occurrence of that action when it takes place if it is an act of obedience or disobedience someone being in good health or sick being without need wealthy or without need and the one who is in need or in poverty but as for the action of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah's action of determining that thing when he qaddara or determined or measured something to happen in a certain way we only say about this that it is khair. We do not say that in Allah's action. It cannot be described, Allah's action, as being sharp. And this is based on the saying of the Prophet in the dua which he taught to Hassan, the son of Ali, radiallahu anhuma. That dua which he taught to him. To be recited in al kunut when we are making kunut, either in the winter prayer or in any other prayer, depending on the circumstances. The Prophet said to him in that du'a, "Waqina sharra ma qadiit." "Waqina sharra ma qadiit." Protect us from the evil of that which you have. You have determined, or fixed, or pre-decreed, or executed. Protect us from the evil of that thing which you have decreed. So here the evil, the sharr, sharra, ma the sharr here or evil, it is connected to what Allah has determined. Not to Allah's actioning, His action of determining. Not Allah's action, but the thing itself that has been determined. The evil is attributed to that thing. So this makes us to know that uh, we should not attribute evil to Allah or to any action of Allah. But if there is any evil in the creation that Allah decreed or determined to happen, then the evil is attributable only to that thing when it happens or that thing that has been determined not to Allah or to the action of Allah. The shaykh also in another place mentioned concerning this topic of the dua of kulut waqina sharra ma He said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes determines or pre-decrees khair something to happen that is khayr, or sometimes he decrees something to happen, which is sharr. As for Allah's predetermining, al-khayr, Khair, is absolutely considered to be khair. There is no sharr in it. When Allah predetermines khair, it means that it is purely khair. In reference to Allah's action of determining it, His action of determining it is khair. And the thing that happens is also khayr. This is like Allah determining for the people or, or, or measuring for the people or fixing for the people plenty of wealth and sustenance or safety or peace or security or guidance or help or success or victory. Allah is determining that thing, His action of determining is khair. And the thing itself that happens is also khair. So this Khair is from both sides, from both directions or from both aspects. As for when Allah predetermines or decrees Shahr, then Allah's action of determining it is considered to be Khair. But the thing itself that has happened, the disaster or calamity or whatever, that thing is sharr or evil. And this is like for example when there is a drought, when the rain is stopped, Allah decrees this. Allah is the one who controls the heavens and the earth. He is the one who sends down rain and causes the plants to grow. If no rain comes down, this is by Allah's decree. Allah is the only one who can decree such. So when there is a drought and there is no food in the land, then this is by Allah's decree. This thing may be considered as sharr But Allah is determining it Allah is fixing that thing to happen Is considered to be khair And this is like the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ظهر الفساد في البر والبحر بما كسبت أيدي الناس ليذوقهم بعد الذي علموا لعلهم يرجعون that Al-fasad, corruption, has spread in the land and in the sea. Corruption has spread in the land and the sea. Due to what? The hands of the people have earned. Yeah, I mean due to their own actions. Corruption has spread due to the actions of the human beings. So corruption spread throughout the earth, throughout the land and the sea, through, due to the actions of the human beings, so that Allah, might cause them to taste the fruit of their actions, perhaps they will return, perhaps they will come back to Him. And that corruption, we say it's sharr, it's evil, spreading through the earth, through the land and the sea. But Allah decreed that to happen, to bring about something good. Perhaps from that corruption being widespread in the earth, some people may return back to Allah. And that actually happened. Some people when they looked at the condition of the world or their society or their country, they said this thing is gone, it's finished. There's no hope for us except to turn back to the guidance, turn back to Allah. So this thing that Allah has decreed has a noble and praiseworthy objective. It is to bring the people back after being in disobedience to Allah, to obedience to Allah. The objective is to cause the people to return to Allah's obedience. So the thing that Allah fixed, the spreading of corruption and evil in the earth, it is considered to be, that thing itself when we see it spreading, it's considered to be evil. But it turned out to be good in its end. And that's why even the thing itself, when it's something evil, when it happens, but Allah's t- determining it, we don't say His action of determining it is evil, it is good, because Allah has an objective, even if we understand it or not. But because of His wisdom, He allowed that thing to happen. Perhaps we may sometimes see what is the end result, and the reason why Allah fixed it, sometimes we may not. But in any case, we believe without doubt that it is due to Allah's wisdom, and it has a noble and praiseworthy objective. So we say وَقِنَا شَرَّ مَا قَضَيْتِ يعني O oh Allah protect us from that thing which will occur or did occur that appears to be evil. Not from the evil of Allah's determining it but from the thing itself. Uh, because when Allah fixes something like this or determines or cause something like this to happen it is for some uh, praiseworthy and good and beneficial objective there is really some uh, further point here let me just quickly uh, this topic of al qada wa al is really very important and we need to understand it uh, we mentioned in brief the Main aspects of Al qadar Wal Qadr, I think in the last lecture. Here the Shaykh discussed this point and he mentions some of the evidences that perhaps will make it more clear for us. The main aspects of Al Qadr Wal Qadr are how many? What are the main points or principles or aspects of Al Qadr Wal Qadr? Last week we mentioned them. We said Al Ilm knowledge al kitaba writing or recording al-mashiya or al irada the will of Allah and al-khalq the creation that everything that exists and their actions are created by Allah whether good or evil here the shaykh mentions these four points with the evidence for each of them or some evidence although the evidences are many he says the first that iman or faith in al-qadr will not be complete no one Faith in Al-Qadr is is, is complete except that there are four things that they have to include in their faith and believe in all of them. Otherwise their faith or Iman Al-Qadr is incomplete. The first of them is the faith or belief that Allah knows everything in general and in detail. Previously having that knowledge from the very beginning. He had the knowledge of everything, and this is based on the saying of Allah: Alam ta'lam Allah ma fi ma fi samai wal Do you not know that Allah knows whatever is in the heaven and the earth? Verily, that is written or recorded in a book. Everything is recorded in a book in the and that is something easy for Allah. To know everything is, is easy for Allah. This is in Surah Hajj, chapter twenty-two, verse seventy. The second aspect of Al Qadr. We must believe in this first one that Allah has knowledge of everything. The second Al Kitabah that Allah has had everything written in Allah al Mahfuz, the preserved tablet. The measure was fixed, the fixed يعني, uh, lifespan and activities and everything in the life of everything that exists. That all of this is written down; it is recorded. As Allah says in the Quran, "Ma ardi, fi anfusikum illa fi min an That no musibah, no katam, uh, catastrophe or calamity. Before, in the earth, or in yourselves, except that it is in a book written and recorded before we bring it into existence, it is already recorded. Everything. There is nothing except that it is already recorded. This is in Surah Al-Hadid, I think, chapter fifty-seven, uh, Surah Al-Hadid, verse twenty-two. As it is reported in the hadith of the Prophet recorded by the Imam Muslim كَتَبَ اللَّهُ قَبْلَ أَنْ السماوات وَالْأَرْضِ أَلْفَ سَنَةٍ That Allah had written the maqadir of, of the khalaiq the measurements or predeterminations of everything in the creation had already been written before He created the heavens and the earth by 50,000 years reported by Imam Muslim So this writing of everything, in general and in detail, also we must believe in it. The third of them is al-irada, or al-mashi'ah, means the will of Allah. uh, That nothing will be in the heavens or on the earth, except it is by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And those things that happen uh, by the will of Allah, revolve or rotate between his rahmah and his hikmah. Downstairs Uh, By Allah's Rahmah Or between His Rahmah and His Hikmah And it is either Allah's mercy That He gave us good Or guided us Or it is His Hikmah That someone was led astray Or any harmful thing Or distasteful thing happened to them in their life that Allah guides whomever He wills by His mercy, and He leads astray whomever He wills by His wisdom, and He is not asked about whatever He does. Because whatever happens, when it happens, we know for sure it is by Allah's decree, and it is in accordance with His previous knowledge and that which has been written in Allah al Mahfur. here concerning this he mentions the ayah of Quran in surah Al-An'am chapter 6 verse 125 showing that nothing happens except by the will of Allah that everything is by Allah's will whether it appears to us to be good or bad فَمَن يُرِدِ اللَّهِ أَنْ يَهْدِيَهُ يَشْرَحْ صَدْرَهُ لِلْإِسْلَامِ فَمَن يُرِدِ اللَّهِ whoever Allah wants or wills Whoever Allah wills to guide him then he expands or opens his breast or his chest to Islam. Yeah, and he, he makes him receptive to Islam. Whoever Allah wants, man yuridillah. Whoever Allah, who he is the one who yuridu hada. He is the one who wants it, then he opens his chest to Islam. ومن يرد أن يضله يجعل صدره حرجا. And whoever Allah wants or wills to lead him astray and yubillahu, then he makes his chest straightened, tight so that he is not receptive to Islam. This is the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know if somebody was saying this to us, perhaps we will find it difficulty to, difficult to accept. But this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is saying that whoever He wills, He opens their heart to Islam for their breast to Islam and whoever he wills to lead astray then he makes their chest straightened so that they don't accept him. This requires some explanation no doubt perhaps there are some questions. Why does Allah will to lead somebody astray? Is it fair that he will to lead this one astray and he wills to lead that one rightly? Is that fair? But the important thing here in this ayah that the guidance and leading astray when it happens, this ayah affirms that it only happens bi iradatillah by the irada or the will of Allah it only happens by Allah's irada the fourth point of Al-Qadr is Al-Khalq that everything in the heavens and the earth is created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and there is no creator other than Him, there is no Rabb Lord or nourisher other than Him. And this is based on the saying of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah al-Furqan, chapter 25, verse 2, That Allah has created شيء, Everything. Everything that exists, Allah created. There is no other creator. And then He measured it, a proper measurement. And also Allah says in the Quran, on the tongue of Ibrahim السلام, in Surah Al Saqat, chapter 37, verse 96, Wallahu khalakakum wa ma ta'amaloon. That Allah has created you all and that which you do. Ibrahim السلام, said that to his people who were making idols. They were carving idols, and Allah says in the Quran that Ibrahim said to them, Wallahu khalakakum. Allah is the one who created you. وَمَا تَعَمَلُونَ And also, your actions, your deeds, that what you are doing. In that case, it was referring to the carving of the idols. But it is general. This statement in the Quran is general. That Allah, not only is Allah the creator of them and that which they were carving, but Allah is the creator of all things in the creation and everything that they do. Our actions whether good or bad, Allah is the creator of our actions as well as ourselves. Then he talks about uh, that qadr should not be used as a proof or an argument by those who do evil but let's not go into that because we want to before the time runs out completely take some points from al-aqidah tahawiyah. We will return to that inshallah when we come to a point related directly to it. Here al-imam al says in point number 18 bi wa aqdara," That Allah created the creation بِعِلْمِهِ uh, You can say with his knowledge or he had knowledge. He created the creation having knowledge of that creation. Of everything that he created, before he created he had knowledge of it and all that's going to happen to it or what it would do. That Allah created the creation being totally aware and having complete knowledge of that creation and everything concerning it. وَقَدْرَ لَهُمْ akadara, And he has also appointed their or estimated or determined, preordained for each of the creatures that he created, whatever it will need and what will happen to it in this world. All of what will happen to it. He has already qaddara, uh, he has predetermined these things. Uh, now, here, the Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdurrahman al Khuneis, Who gave us the brief explanation Of Al-Qaeda Al-Tahawiyah He says here very briefly That verily Allah created the creation aliman bihim Having full knowledge of that creation Before he created it As Allah says in the Quran In uh, Surah Al-Mulk Chapter 67 verse 14 A'la ya'lamu man khalaq al al-Khabiyah A'la yalam man khalaq the one who created, does he not know what he created? And he is the one who has knowledge of everything. Whether it is, even those things which are unseen or difficult to see or to detect, Allah has knowledge over all of them and he is totally aware of everything. Uh, so his knowledge, the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, encompasses everything. As Allah said in another place in the Qur'an, in Surah al Taha chapter 20 verse 110 يَعْلَمُ مَا بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَمَا خَلْفَهُمْ وَلَا يُحَيْتُونَ بِهِ That Allah knows whatever is before them and whatever is behind them and no one encompasses him or nothing encompasses him in their knowledge or by knowledge. Yani Allah knows everything that is before them or behind them, uh, yani meaning everything, all knowledge of everything. He knows whatever happened in the past, He knows what is going to happen in the future, and He knows what didn't happen. If it had happened, how it would have been. And even that which didn't happen and is not going to happen, had it happened, how it would have been. Allah has knowledge of everything. And Allah says in the Quran in Surah Al-Saba, chapter 34 verse 4 لَا يَعَظُبُ عَنْهُ مِثْقَالُ ذَرَّةٍ فِي السماوات وَلَا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلَا أَصْغَرُ مِنْ ذَلِكِ وَلَا أَكْبَرُ إِلَّا فِي كِتَابٍ مُبِينٍ that nothing can escape from him or from his knowledge even مِثْقَالَةُ ذَرَّةٍ يعني a small the smallest ant in existence, or as most of the translators say, the atom. When they came to know that the atom is the smallest uh, thing in existence, they said atom. But really it means, uh, that word actually, it means uh, a small, small, small type of ant. (coughs) It's verse 3, (laughs) Jazakallah khair. That nothing escapes from him, even the smallest thing like the smallest ant in the heavens or the earth or even something and Allah said in case you came up with something smaller than that, wala wala akbar. Even anything smaller than that or anything bigger than that, except that it is all tikitab in mubeen, in a clear book. It is already recorded. Allah has knowledge of everything and that is recorded. Nothing escapes from His knowledge and His knowledge encompasses everything Bil Kulliyat well the totality of everything as well as the parts, separate individual parts of everything is also known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he says that Allah wa akdara, that Allah is the one who made the pre ordainment or pre measurement, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they create these things as He says in the Quran, Inna kull Shayin de that verily everything we have created it be qadrin, with qadr, with a measurement, a predetermined, preordained measurement, or fixed amount, or time, or whatever. And this is mentioned in Surah Al qamar chapter 54, verse 49. And Allah also said in Surah Al Furqan, chapter 25, verse 2. وَخَالَقَ كلَّ شَيْءٍ فَقَدَّرَهُ تَقْدِيرًا That Allah created everything and then He fixed or determined its measure of its existence and everything related to it with complete and perfect measurement or determining. So we must acknowledge that Khair and الشر both good and evil is predetermined. It is within the qadr of Allah and everything that is created, everything that exists also comes under the qadr of Allah. And this is a refutation of those who claimed that ashar evil is not of the creation of Allah. They said that evil is not from the creation of Allah, but Allah Himself said that He created everything. He didn't make any exceptions. There is no proof for exception. <coughs> The next point he says وَضَرَبَ لَهُمْ Ajalan that Allah has appointed or fixed or allotted or planned the end of everything or its the term of existence ajalan. Ajal أجال means Ajal, it means the period of time which a, person, a thing, anything in the creation has to exist in this world. So Allah is the one who has fixed or determined the ajal or the periods of existence for everything in the creation. وَلَمْ يَخْفَ عَلَيْهِ شَيْءٌ قَبْلَ أَنْ يَخْلُقَهُمْ And nothing has been hidden from Allah before He created the creation. وَعَلِمَ مَا هُمْ عَامِلُونَ قَبْلَ أَنْ يَخْلُقَهُمْ And Allah also is well aware and fully knowledgeable of everything that they will do mahum Whatever they are doing and will do, Allah is aware of it before He created them. Here the shaykh he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written the time periods, or determined the time periods of everything in the creation and they cannot go out of those bounds. They cannot go outside of the bounds that Allah has fixed. No way. فَإِذَا جَاءَ أَجَلُهُمْ As Allah said in the Quran, in Surah al araf chapter 7 verse 34 فَإِذَا جَاءَ أَجَلُهُمْ if their fixed or determined time comes لَا saatan سَاعَةً وَلَا يستقدمون. then that thing will not be delayed even one moment one hour or one moment it will not be delayed nor will it be advanced when it's time أجل, when it comes there's no delaying or advancing. Also, he says here, in reference to the point 21, that nothing is hidden from Allah's knowledge before He created creation, He knew everything that they would do. This is related to the ilm or the knowledge of Allah. He said that verily, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was knowing from the beginning everything before He created his creation, he knew the people al sa'ada wa al shaqawa. those who would be the people of happiness as well as the people of, I don't know, <laughs> the people who will have the bad end, the people of sa'ada means the people who will go to paradise and the people of shakawa means the people who are destined for the punishment of the hellfire. Allah knew the saliheen wa taliheen, those who would be righteous and those who would be wicked. All of this, Allah knew it before He created them. Allah knew that in such and, su- and such and such day something would happen to everything in the creation of human or other life. Allah knew that on particular day that this will happen and it will happen in a particular manner. Nothing is hidden from Him of His creation, even of the finest things that we may think would be hidden from Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala. No, Allah's knowledge is perfect and completely encompassing everything. Here he says in brief the summary of these points is that Allah has created everything in His creation having full knowledge of those things and everything related to them before He created them. Then He measured or fixed their existence, everything related to existence, their existence and their beginning and their end and what would be their determined place in paradise or the hellfire? All of this is fixed and determined. And nothing is hidden from Allah of His creation, of the, crea- the creatures themselves, as well as the actions of those crea- creatures. All of this is known to Allah before He created everything. This is uh, maybe the point that we can stop at here, because the next uh, paragraph actually goes into another topic that's pretty lengthy. So rather than to go into that, inshallah. We may take a few moments to uh, take any comments or corrections or questions. None. Human beings work in this point. But yes, all of what is predetermined, uh, all of what is written. All that will happen. Whether it is of those things that are um, written at the time when the person is in the womb of their mother. That writing is also known to Allah from the beginning. But it only became written in the knowledge of the angels at the time when they wrote it. But to Allah it's already known. That which is written yearly, the yearly qadr, or writing of Qadr. Also, it became known to the angels in that time, but it's already known to Allah. All of the writing that takes place in the Qadr, whether we are talking about that which is written in Law Mahfur, that which is written in more detail uh, when the person uh, was in their mother's womb before they were born, what would happen all about their life their life span and whether happy or sad or whatever, their sustenance, all of these things, uh, that also is known to Allah, as well as the detail, more details that are written yearly in the life of every human being, also that is also known, and every stage as the details became known to the creatures, angels or human or otherwise, that's only in reference to the, creature, the creatures, the creation. But as for Allah, all of it is known, in general as well as in detail from the very beginning. All of it. Now Think that to Him, Nothing is new to Allah. Uh, if we said that Allah came to know something, then it would mean that before that Allah's knowledge was deficient, defective, incomplete, imperfect. And that is to, a, to attribute to Allah imperfection is kufr, is disbelief. To attribute any sign or aspect of imperfection to Allah is kufr. Allah has knowledge of everything, and Allah has power over everything, and so on. Naam ya. If everything is <laughs> in the book of Quran, like if Allah but it will be guided, it will be guided if Allah is guided, someone will be guided so if someone, which is the commandment of Allah the world is in the world, it is action so we cannot be used yeah, this is the topic that uh, we don't have time to discuss today <laughs> I think, uh, how much time is left before the event? Ten minutes. Okay, let us deal with this issue at least in brief. This is a very important question. If someone does something that Allah decreed, and they were put in jail or otherwise punished, can we blame them? Of course, we can blame them. (laughs) If if they were put in jail because they commit a crime, because they did something evil, then their actions are their own actions the action of any creature is their own actions. Even though we say that Allah is the creator of the human being or any creature and their actions, but what do we mean by that? Anyway, we will discuss this in detail. Let me just say here as this point came in our introductory remarks, it came let us continue with those introductory remarks so that we will see some clarification in this question that you have asked now. The Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen says that. Uh, or I'm sorry, He is uh, before his explanation Al-Imam Ibn Qudama in his book Lumat al he says that we do not make Allah's predetermining of something we do not make it uh, as a proof or an argument for those who have abandoning his commandments they left those things which he ordered them to do nor those who fell into the commission of some acts which Allah prohibited we cannot say that Qadr, the fact that Allah pre decreed something, that this is an argument for them, or a support for them. No way, it cannot be. Uh, but it is obligatory on us to believe that and know that Allah has established the proof over everyone and everything, when He revealed the books and when He sent the prophets. Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala says in the Quran in Surah An-Nisa Chapter 4 Verse 165 لِأَلَّا يَكُونَ لِلنَّاسِ عَلَى اللَّهِ حُجَّةٌ بَعْدَ الرُّسُولِ So that there would be no proof for the people, no argument for them after the sending or the missioning of the prophets and messengers. The prophets and messengers came to do what? To tell you what Allah ordered you to do and what He prohibited you from. After the messengers have been sent, you have no argument. There's no argument. Then why did Allah send the prophets and messengers? If it is as though that Allah decreed something, therefore you have no free will or choice in the matter, and so you will say, well it's what, as Allah has decreed, that would be your argument, then what is the need for Allah to send prophets and messengers to tell you what to do and what not to do? Then this would be foolishness. This is like attributing foolishness to Allah. That he sends prophets and messengers to every nation to tell the people what to do and what not to do, and then on the Yawmul Qiyamah, when the people disobeyed his commands and engaged in all he prohibited, they would just say, It was your qadr, Allah, so please excuse me. <laughs> no, Allah says in the Quran, <laughs> So that the people would not have any argument, they would not have any proof uh, upon uh, any argument with Allah after the sending of the messengers. The shaykh says that there is no proof for the sinful person when he commits a sin in Qadr. Because the actions of the human being, all of them, whether they are acts of obedience or disobedience, they are created by Allah. As we have already mentioned, but they are not a proof or an argument for the sinful person when he commits a sin. And this is based on many evidences. The first of those evidences is that Allah has described the actions of the person as being his own actions. He described the actions of the human being as being the human being's actions. Allah says in the Quran in Surah Al-Ghafir, chapter 17, kullu Nafsin bima kasabat that in this day, the day of judgment, everyone will be rewarded mean, yeah, with good or bad, according to his deeds whether they were good or bad everyone, كل نفس will be rewarded بما كثبت according to what that person has done okay you will be rewarded according to what you have done uh, it's chapter Ghafir. I don't know the number of ghafir maybe it's 40, I'm not sure, I don't remember the number but you can look for Surah Al-Ghafir, Chapter 17, okay, it's forty JazakAllah <laughs> Khayyat, verse 17. Uh, if the person had no choice in his actions, and it was all decreed and fixed for him, then Allah wouldn't say that he would be rewarded for his own actions, for what he have earned, what the person has earned, then Allah, no need to say what you have earned if you have no choice in the matter. If it is by Allah's fixing without any choice of the human being. The second argument is that Allah has ordered the people and He has prohibited them. And there is no need for Allah to order or to prohibit, except that the person has the ability to obey His commands or to refrain from His prohibitions. Allah says in the Quran, in Surah Al-Baqarah, Chapter 2, Verse 286, لا يكلف الله nafsan إلا ما أو إلا وسعها. That Allah doesn't make anyone responsible or give anyone any task except that which He has the ability to do. Yani Allah didn't order us to do something except we have the ability to obey Him. Nor did He prohibit us from anything except that we have the ability to refrain from that prohibition. And Allah says in Surah Al-Taghabun, oh, Allah, I don't know what is the number of Taghabun. Uh, it's verse 16, Surah Al-Tadhabun فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ مستطعتم. So, fear Allah, in His commands and prohibitions مستطعتم. According to your ability. Allah, He is saying that you are responsible to obey Him in what He commanded and to refrain from what He is prohibited مستطعتم. According to your ability. So, you are responsible. It's clear that you are responsible then. If the person was forced to do whatever he does against His will, then he doesn't have the ability to obey Allah's command or to refrain from his prohibition. If in fact a person is forced, and if we are saying that qadr means the person is forced to do it, therefore when he commits a crime he shouldn't be blamed. If that was so, then that means he has no ability to obey or to refrain, and therefore what is the meaning of these ayats of Qur'an. The next argument he says is that everyone knows the difference between al-amal al-ikhtiyari wal-amal al-ijbari. Everybody knows the difference between that action which a person does by force and that per- action which a person does by choice. There are some things that we do by force, we have no will in them, no choice in the matter. We don't decide to breathe or not breathe, but it happens automatically. We don't decide to make our heart beat or not, but it is happening already. When we are in our sleep, for example, if we turn over, it's not by our choice that we turn over in our sleep there are some things that are happening without our will and there are the things that we decide to do when you see some food, you decide, you look at it, I want to eat or not I don't like this or so I like it, you decide there is a difference between the actions which you do what you think about and decide to do and those actions which you have no control over that are outside of your realm so this also makes us to know that people are responsible for what they do there are actions that we do by choice and therefore we are responsible for them and the other things that we have no power over we are not responsible for them. The fourth thing he says is that the sinner before he decides to commit a sin he does not know that that sin is decreed for him that it is qadr that it is the qadr of Allah that he's going to commit that sin he doesn't know before it happens what is Allah's qadr nobody knows before something happens what is the qadr of Allah except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So the person who is going to commit a sin, who is thinking about it, he doesn't know before he does it, is this Allah's qadr or not? It will not become known until it happens. Then Allah's qadr is known. So he is, it is possible that he may do that thing or he may refrain from it. If he decides to commit that sin, which is wrong, then he will make as an argument qadr. But that Qadr that he is arguing saying it was the Qadr of Allah, it was unknown to him before he did it. So he decided to do it on his own, not because it was Qadr, he didn't know it was the Qadr. Isn't it better then, that the person who doesn't know, should refrain from sinning, or refrain from doing bad deeds, and then say that this is the Qadr of Allah, rather than to commit a sin and then argue saying this is the Qadr of Allah. You see, we don't know what Allah has decreed for us, so it is better if you want to claim that everything is by qadr, then don't commit a sin and say it's qadr, go and do a good deed and say it's qadr. This is more beneficial to you if you have any sins. Allah also has informed the Prophet that He sinned. Or He informed us that He sent the Prophet in order to cut off any argument from the people as we mentioned in Surah An-Nisa verse 165 that Allah sent the Prophets so that there would be no argument or proof after the sending of the Prophets, the prophets and Messengers. And if the Qadr was really going to be a proof, uh, then there would be no need for Allah to send the Prophets and Messengers. So these are some of the arguments that the Shaykh mentioned concerning those who want to argue and debate. There is a long discussion about this in some other books. There is one book called Al Qadr. Uh, according to the Minhaj or the way of the righteous predecessors, uh, it's written by Dr. Sali As Sali. If anyone can uh, get a hold of that book, you will find this discussion that we are now talking about in much more detail. For whoever wants more detail, otherwise, inshallah, let us suffice with this. Um, as the points of Al Qadha wa Qadha come further in the book, then we will discuss them uh, at that time. Now, Pablo If we hear the Adhan, if somebody hears the Adhan, please let me know. Now. Now. the Can you open the door so we can hear? So, we would in the Okay, if Allah knows everything and Allah does know everything we acknowledge this and accept it and believe in it completely without any doubt then what about in the Quran and so many places in the Quran where Allah mentions that he would test us with hunger and fear and loss of wealth and loss of lives and so on what is the meaning of this? how, why, what is the test if he already knows? that's the question? <laughs> now, nah. uh, we can say that the test is not to determine uh, for Allah's sake to determine who can pass and who cannot Allah already knows but the test is the test is for the sake of the human being the test in this world is not for Allah to know and this testing is not like the poor imperfect teacher who doesn't know his students very well (laughs) he doesn't know really who can pass and who cannot. Even the teacher, the human being, if they are a good teacher and they are teaching someone for some time, they usually can say which of their students are going to do well and which are not going to do well. Sometimes they can even tell you this student is going to be first, highest grade. This one will be second and third. They can almost determine if they really know their students well they can tell you which one is not going to pass, which one is going to be do miserably. They can tell. With their imperfect and incomplete knowledge, they can tell. Uh, so what about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who knows everything, and his knowledge is complete and perfect. Surely Allah knows. But it is not uh, as it is in this world, that the teacher, who even has a good idea, who can pass, and who cannot? Uh, but the teacher has to give the examination to be sure to be sure who deserves what grade as for Allah he is already sure (laughs) he is already sure but this testing is really exclusively and totally for the human being so that on the day of judgment when Allah sends the people of paradise to paradise by his Rahmah and his fadl, then sends the people of hellfire to the hellfire, out of his adl, his justice, no one will have a complaint. No one will be able to say, for example, had Allah created all human beings and put some in paradise and some in hellfire, they will say, oh Allah, ya Rab, why didn't you give me a chance? I would have done well, like I would have done this, I would have done that, and such and so. Wouldn't they? Would anybody accept to be in the hellfire? And they didn't have a chance to prove themselves in this world? No one will accept such. But when Allah put us in this world, and gave us the knowledge of right and wrong, and gave us the ability to choose between right and wrong, based on knowledge, and guidance, and sending of prophets, and messengers, and revelations, and righteous people, and scholars, and the ability to execute our will, then when we chose, whatever we chose, then it made manifest what Allah had already determined, who should be in paradise and who should be in the hellfire, based on His perfect knowledge, His eternal knowledge. Then on the day of judgment, all people's records will be presented. So no one will be able to say, but I don't deserve to be in hellfire. No, it's clear. Your record, everything great or small, nothing will be missing. So it will be clear that you deserve, without a doubt, without question. And it's not like you were on the halfway mark. It was close, give me a chance. Allah is just. If you did anything good, then Allah, might by even the smallest good deed, put you in paradise. If you are a believer. And even those who really believe in Allah, who do the least of deeds, by Allah's mercy, they would come out of the hellfire if they are punished justly. They would come out of the hellfire and into the paradise but only the disbelievers who after knowing who is their Lord and their Creator and Allah took the seed of Adam from his spine before He brought the creation before He brought us into this world and made everyone to testify Alas to rabbikum am I not your Lord so that every human being when they came into this world already have the shahada of acknowledgement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He is their Lord then when they came into this world and Allah sent prophets and messengers and called them to obey Him and they refused And they deserve to be punished. So this test is not for Allah to know, but it is for the human being to know when he goes to the hellfire that he deserves it. When he is punished, that he deserves it. This is the purpose of the test. Only. Any last comment? Because our five minutes (laughs) up. Is it the saying of if? Obvious questions. <laughs> yani, I think uh, obvious, the, the, the issue of questioning uh, is a separate issue altogether. It's permissible and in some cases obligatory to ask questions. But maybe by obvious questions, you mean that which is already known. Why should anyone ask about it? Huh? Like philosophical, philosophical questions. Or those things which Yani, there are questions that shouldn't be asked, this is blameworthy but we should determine if it is a beneficial question and thing that we need then we should ask as for if this is an issue that requires some discussion in detail uh, but uh, perhaps there is some discussion in this about this uh, in the Sharh uh, of Sahih uh, Muslim of Imam al Nawi where he discussed in some detail concerning this, the use of the word if um, and uh, the essence or summary of that discussion is that we should not say if about those things I mean if this would have happened I would have or if so and so then I would have about those things that already passed us by as though we are displeased and unsatisfied with what Allah has decreed. But we might say if in reference to things of the future that if this happens then we can do this it's permissible. Yani if I make enough money this year I'm going to make Hajj. No harm in saying such. About those things which are good that you hope to do, you may say if. About those things that happened already if I wasn't uh, in this place I wouldn't have committed this crime. No, you did it by your own free will. And it happened already. It's Allah's decree. We must accept Allah's decree and be satisfied with it. Even perhaps about something that happened in the past, as an instruction or an encouragement for people's actions in the future, you may also say if. As the Prophet ﷺ said, when he was on the mountain of Al-Marwah, after the performance of Umrah, he told the people who didn't have an animal with them, who didn't have a sacrificial animal with them, that they should get out of ihram. If they were making kiran or ifrat, and they should make this tawaf and thai as umrah, they should get out of ihram. And he said to them, if I knew what I know now, then I wouldn't in the future do what I did this time. That is, I would not have made intention for Qiran, joining Umrah and Hajj in one Ihram. But since he has the animal with him, he cannot get out of Ihram, so he must stay in Qiran. This if means here, an advice or guidance to the people in the future. He means to say that in the future, don't do what I did, bringing your animal with you and making Qiran, but you should know what we know now, that it is better to make Tamattu'. And you should make intention to make Tamaatir, to make Umrah and one Ihram, and then on the 8th of Dhul Hijjah, get back into Ihram again for Hajj. So this, the use of if in this kind of case is permissible. Anyway, this is a summary of what the scholars have said about it. I hope it answers your question. Subhanakallahumma you wa bihamdika, shadwan la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu